0: Hey friends, welcome to another episode. I am so excited to introduce you guys to my friend Danielle Bettman today. She is a local Omaha mom just like me and she helps parents of strong-willed kids ages one to seven who are looking to boost their parenting toolkits, get on the same page and feel like they know what they're doing. Today, Danielle and I are talking about big emotions, and my kids for sure have some big emotions, but we're also talking about big emotions and how they are tied to what's going on in the world today, how the big emotions are going to be tied to going back to school, what that looks like, and how we can help our kids through that. So I am so excited. Get out your pen and paper because this one is full of so much information that I think is going to help you and your kids, and I cannot wait to hear what you guys think about this episode. So without further ado, here we go. Hi there, I'm Jenna Kutcher. I'm the host of the Gold Digger podcast, and I'm so excited that you're hearing me right now because that means that I get to introduce you to my friend, Michelle Hagen, and her podcast, The Busy Years. Michelle is a mama on a mission dedicated to inspire other women to chase their dreams and their passions no matter what season of life they're in. And I've gotten the privilege to mentor and coach Michelle. She was one of my top 10 students in my community of over a thousand women, and she helped lead and inspire other mamas just like you. And now you, my friend, you get a front row seat. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired. Hi, I'm Michelle, a sales and profitability strategist, mentor, and captain of your cheering squad. But most importantly, I'm a Midwest wife and mama to two spirited boys, and I'm a lover of learning, family vacations, and nap time. I built my business between the moments of motherhood, and I know that you can do it too. Being a mama is hard, and no one should have to do it alone. That's why I'm bringing women together to share their stories of motherhood, business, and blessings. So grab your coffee, wash your dishes, hey, even take a shower because we can do this friend in the middle of motherhood. You're listening to the Busy Years podcast where motherhood and business meet. Come tired, leave inspired. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I am so glad that you are here and that we're going to talk about kids and big emotions today because as a person with big emotions myself, my kids therefore have massive big emotions and with everything going on right now in the world, I feel like all of our children's emotions are even bigger. So I'm so excited for you to give us some tangible tactics of how we can help our kids overcome a lot of this. Um, But first, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell everyone what you do, how you came into doing that, and what it's like being a mom and an entrepreneur. That's kind of a loaded question. I'll help guide you as we go on. But
1: tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'll (laughs) answer this, and then we'll be done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm Danielle Bettman. I started my own business called Wholeheartedly uh, a year ago, actually now. But before that, I got a teaching degree from birth through third grade. And I was teaching in a school called Educare, um, Head Start and Early Head Start, um, primarily with Littles. Uh, I love the Littles. So I went to Early Head Start, started with babies, and I was with that class for three years until they graduated to preschool. And I loved it. um, But then the school I was working at started a home visiting program called Early Steps to School Success. And I started that and did that for the next three or four years. And I loved it. And it was so rewarding because not only was I working with one child for one school year, I was helping a whole family for like a child's whole childhood and their siblings really understand like the big picture, long-term stuff that matters. And what happens at school is great. But home is where kids are wired and their software is downloaded and their parent-child relationship is where most of their growth and learning happens. And so um, I did that for several years before having my daughters. They're now 15 months apart, they're seven and six now. But um, I took some time off, did some part-time jobs and had that midlife crisis of what I wanna be when I grow up again. And that's when I became an entrepreneur and I walked into it very naively, like probably many people do, um, not really understanding that's a whole thing, but it's been another year of big growth for me. And, um, you know, with COVID and everything else, I'm learning and growing. And, uh, so now what it looks like is I'm doing virtual parent coaching and, um, I started my own podcast as well called failing motherhood. And that's all about owning the fact that we all feel like we're failing and screwing up our kids. And that is real life. So let's talk about how hard it actually is. (laughs) Yes.
0: I love that. When you told me that that's what your podcast was going to be about, I was like, yes, because I can't do all of that (laughs) on mine. So I love that you are, you know, and it is. It's just so true how we all feel like, and I feel like social media, which we all always talk about, gives you this fake facade of what things yeah. really are like. Um, but that's not what real life always is. And it is okay if you're not perfect at everything. So I, yes. Love so much. Yes. Yeah. And the whole diving into entrepreneurship. I think, even as someone who has always worked in the business world and worked with entrepreneurs before, I took the leap of working for myself. You're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You just post this many times a day and you do this and you do that. And then you get in it and you're like, listen, I, don't... I understand how many stories you want me to have a day, but it's not happening. No. <laughs> or I'm showing up like a troll as my friend Madison calls it all the time because I don't, well, I was going to go, I don't shower every day. I do. I just don't look like it. <laughs> so
1: Yes, yeah, or your home life suffers, or you never see your kids, or like something has to give because you can't do it all.
0: Yeah, and that was that's why I've created this whole podcast because it is. It, there's a balance of that you can have it all. You just have to know that not everything will be perfect. And the loads of laundry that you wash four times doesn't hurt anybody. Maybe it takes <laughs> the color out of the the black leggings, but it's okay.
1: Fine, we'll wear them anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, I'm so excited, like I said, to chat today about the big emotions and what that looks like in our kids um, and how different it is. I think even if we just talk about, you know, the early childhood and sometimes even into those early school years, like we still mm-hmm. see those tantrums and there's so much development going on. Yeah. Um, I would just love for you to tell us like a little bit about
1: like what you see in tantrums and and what that kind of means in kids yeah so whether you call it meltdowns outbursts tantrums um all the like it's the the crying and screaming and just being all around out of control and the paradigm shift that we are learning as parents of our generation is that those behaviors are much more a symptom of a deeper problem then they are the problem itself. And those big emotions are showing up because that child is struggling and they're having a really hard time. And they are essentially out of their skill set and out of their element. And when we realize that, even though those behaviors still really, really bother us as parents because we would like them to stop yesterday. Um, We do have to empathetically understand them and problem solve with our kids and figure out what's the root of that issue and teach the missing skills and meet the unmet needs so that that behavior becomes eliminated over the long haul. And so it's much more complicated than a sticker chart, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it allows us to really connect with our kids at a deeper level to try to understand what is going on in their head. Why do they feel so out of control and uh, link up some patterns of or things that we may, may not even know are affecting, you know, them showing up in that moment because it was just the last straw, but it was actually something that happened earlier or like this bigger thing that's happening at school and whatever it is. Um, but think of those big emotions as the tip of the iceberg. And when we go below the surface, we can really figure out what's going on. hmm. So how do we go below the surface? Cause I know for me,
0: before we talked, my oldest is five and Mm -hmm. he's my one with my biggest emotions of, of both of them. Well, they both have, they just have big emotions in different ways, but there are ways like with Turner, I, I know I'm like, but how do I figure out what is causing those outbursts? Or when Mm -hmm. I finally say no, that he completely loses it and runs to his room and acts like I'm the worst mom in the whole wide world for saying, yep have a snack when I'm there. <laughs> <How> dare you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, know. I just starve
0: them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you can hire a parent coach for sure. Yeah. Um, but the, the work that I do with families to uncover what's on the surface is a lot of holistic, looking at the big picture and getting it all on paper, because you can't usually in the moment, put it all together. Um, because it's not in front of you, And we are so close up to it that it takes like zooming out and really pausing and having a conversation about it, usually with your spouse, if they're also seeing what's going on at a time that there are no emotions happening and you can start to hash out like, well, this is something that I know is bothering them. And I know that this is different. So that might be a play or. You know, I know that he's also his personality is very impulsive. And so he's still going to, you know, it's going to take some time. And you just start like throwing out any of the variables or factors that could be playing a part. And when I do that with families, I look through a long questionnaire of them rating like all areas of their life and what's going on with the parents as well as the kids so that I can kind of see big picture Here's probably all of the things that are missing links or gaps or contributing factors, and these are the ones that we need to um, work on first. And then, you know, next from there to be able to really see the long-term change that's needed. And a lot of a lot of the ways that I help them then problem solve their way back is looking at the unmet needs that are always under the surface, and those relate back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where every human being needs to feel um, safe and secure, and they need to feel um, love and belonging, and they need autonomy and control, and they need just those basic needs met of, you know, hunger, sleep, clothes, shelter, all that stuff. And so we look at each of those areas and kind of problem solve where there could be triggers in each of those areas, and then work our way back to some solutions.
0: Mm, Yeah, I like that of like looking backwards. Because I know, like, for me, I've tried to because Turner is five, so he can voice some of his things. And I try mm-hmm. to like, ask him questions of like, well, how are you feeling? But I'm don't, I mean, I'm not an expert, but it, it does helpful. It is helpful. And sometimes he'll come up and I'm like, oh, I didn't even
1: think. Right. And say was- something seemingly unrelated And you're like, Oh, would have never thought that. Yeah. Like, okay, well, next time you just need to tell mommy
0: and I will help you fix it instead of it like burning up inside of you.
1: Yes. Oh,
0: so can tantrums, can these things like be prevented? What are some things that like we could be talking to our kids about, about you are going to feel these big emotions or Mm -hmm. when things make you upset, how, you know, Cause you can always stop the flame before it starts. But sometimes once that flame is lit, you've lost all control.
1: Yes. Yeah. So there's only so much we can do in that heated moment of an outburst. And like, there are, you know, some ways that I help families have a step-by-step of like getting back to calm, but it's not solving the problem, right? Like you, you do have to preemptively do that on the other side. And, um, books are one of the biggest ways that you just keep reading stories about characters that have big emotions that your kids can relate to and just use those to facilitate the conversations that help normalize that feeling for them and help them relate to it when it's not at the present moment. And then they kind of creates for them a understanding big picture of, okay, so yeah, this is going to be a thing that I feel. And sometimes when I feel that way, I think this, or it looks like this, and here's something I can do about it. Um, But they need that conversation repeatedly over and over as it evolves for them. And individualizing what that looks like for them, because maybe they do have a really hard time with, you know, putting shoes on and their sock always gets so itchy and they throw the sock across the room. And if that's a big thing for them, then, you know, talking about that every night, maybe at bedtime and saying like tomorrow when we get dressed, you know, those socks are always so darn scratchy, but we're going to re- try really hard to put them on the right way so that they you know, don't make you feel so frustrated Um, but you know, sometimes other people get frustrated by their clothes too. I had a scratchy tag on my shirt the other day that really bothered me and I had to cut it off, you know, just anything that you can help them have a framework for what's going on and normalize that it's not something that only them struggle with and that there's no solutions or hope for those, those are the, you know, overwhelming emotions that create that feeling of helplessness, both in us and them that we want to avoid.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really good, and the books because I always even think I go back to we were Daniel Tiger has always been like huge oh, for I love us Daniel Tiger. Love yes. and the book and they have books that talk about the same emotions that are very much like the episodes. Like yes. I can remember when Turner was he had to be around three, and my postpartum was still pretty bad, and I just was about to lose it. And he Uh said to me, mommy, are you going to roar? You should count to four. And I was like, you're right. You know, like that like anger is like building up. Like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I, you're right. I should probably calm down. You know? So then they like, so sometimes I even find when I'm finding those things, sometimes I'm like, Hey, like I'll go find the episode of Daniel Tiger because Mm -hmm. sometimes just hearing it from someone else is easier than hearing it from mom too.
1: Yes, that helps so much. Yes. Yeah. And the more any the more that we can talk about our own emotions cuz we don't have to be perfect for sure. Like we can be their biggest learning board of even what not to do sometimes by the way that we lead by example of labeling our own emotions, talking about why we're frustrated or why we're mad and then apologizing if we need to and just helping them understand, yeah, everybody feels this way and that's this is what it looks like for me when I can't stand you right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or even I'm just thinking
0: of talking about like people who are outside your home that your kids Mm -hmm. interact with regularly, whether it's friends or family or something that so often we see our kids go somewhere and they come home with like, you know, even if it was just a few hours all of a sudden you're like, where did you learn that? Or what, how are we all of a sudden doing this? Yes. Um, They are sponges. (laughs) of, Of what's like unlearning information sometimes.
1: Yes. I ended up making a little like photo book of a bunch of our extended family and friends for the girls when they were in preschool that just labeled emotions and then had people making the faces of all the different emotions that were all of our family members and stuff. And then we would make up stories about why they were feeling disappointed, or why they were so excited, or you know what surprised them, and those, those conversations I think grounded a lot of that framework of that emotional literacy and being able to recognize them in themselves when they feel that way and somebody else. Yeah. So
0: I love that tip of the book um, and creating that for some the l- kids that are littler, and I mean, I guess you could even do it. Could be a great imagination thing for older kids too. But mm-hmm. what are some of your like easy, tangible tips that parents could maybe implement like today after they listen to this mm-hmm. to help them help them help their kids manage the
1: emotions? Yeah. Um. So having having the framework yourself of what's going on is the key perspective taking that enables you to stay calm in order to get them calm because that's a prerequisite. If we get into the fight or flight response, then we have no hope of getting them out of theirs. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing that we can focus on and actually control is not our kids reactions, but our own. And that's even harder. It feels like then knowing just like the right parenting strategy to get them to listen in the moment. Um, but that's the whole idea of conscious parenting and realizing what's going on with us and why we feel so triggered or that we can't seem to handle those big emotions because it probably goes back to how we were parented. And if our parents weren't comfortable with our big displays of emotion, then of course we're not going to be wired to do that either. So that is a big hurdle that we have to overcome ourselves in order to grow our patients and have the perspective enough to have that empathy click in where we can see our kids for more than just that tip of the iceberg in that moment and look deeper and be able to really figure out, okay, how can I, you know, get them to shake out of this or move forward and, or, you know, teach a skill in this moment without it Really, being like a head-to-head battle of me versus you, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and it's not easy at all. Um, but it's it's so important if we can just work on that skill little by little every day. Um, you know, waiting a little bit longer until we hit that boiling point, or finding a strategy that we can say in the moment that really helps us. You know, kind of click in. But using you statements is a big one. So you statements are any. A sentence that starts with the word you that we're trying to talk to our kids in a way that helps them see we are relating for them and using the words for them that they may not have to explain what's going on and why they're feeling that way. And we're not trying to um, argue anything. We're just trying to share from their perspective what they would be saying if they had the words. So mm-hmm. if like they really wanted ice cream for breakfast and ice cream for breakfast isn't an option and we're trying to redirect them to other breakfast choices and they are just like feeling really mad that ice cream isn't an option so they're starting to lose their mind the the rational mind of of us as an adult says well that's ridiculous we've never given you ice cream for breakfast before um like this is a behavior that i need to You know, click out of them so that they're not an entitled spoiled brat. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, what's probably going on is they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, or they're feeling extra hangry, or they just got into a, you know, fight with a sibling, or they're really dreading something that's going on that day, or it's just something else. Because it's the same thing about us when we walk into work. There's something else going on with us. It's not about us in the dormant or whatever is happening. So um, understanding that allows us to kind of stay calm and then. Try, started to realize, okay, what are they trying to say? You just really want ice cream. You would love to have ice cream for breakfast. And you don't want to have cereal. You don't want to have toast. You really, really, really want ice cream. How big of a sundae would you want to have? Three scoops? Four scoops? Would you put chocolate on it? Would you put you know, M&Ms on it? What, what would your dream breakfast ice cream sundae look like and the more that we can't like if they feel like yes we actually get it we understand where they're coming from and we're not trying to just play out our own agenda we're just letting it sit for a minute and giving them space to feel that then they feel so much less threatened and on the defensive mode of trying to fight it and they can just like sit back and say yeah, I just really want ice cream. Thank you for hearing me out. And then when they get to a place where they're not like screaming about it anymore, then you can start to reiterate. But, you know, as much as we want ice cream today, we're going to have to choose between cereal and toast. Would you like to put the toast in the toaster? Would you like me to? And try to just move right into that redirection. Mm. Um, They'll be more apt to be okay with that because they felt heard, because they really connected with you Rather than just feeling dismissed and unheard, which we all hate to feel like, um, then they're gonna feel like they have to up the ante and escalate because we don't get it. And so Mm -hmm. the more that we can focus on, I get it, I hear you, um, you know, and I'm helping still keep these boundaries here, but if you wanna talk about the ice cream for 10 minutes, that's fine. (laughs) We're still not having it, it's not negotiable, but I can sit with this emotion with you all day. And if we work on that, then our kids will feel. Um, So apt to still function within the framework that we've given them, but feel entitled to be okay with being sad and angry about some of those things. And that's okay. That's not going to intimidate us or freak us out. And they'll just feel that safety um, over time with us. And that's really, really what we want to be doing as their parents.
0: I want to tell you about the new community that we have over on Facebook for the Busy Years podcast called Hey Mama, Let's Connect. This is a place where you can come and connect with other like minded women just like you, who are in the busy years of motherhood that are chasing their dreams and looking for more. This is a place where you can come and share the amazing things that you're currently doing, get advice, ask questions, and get more information on the Busy Years podcast episodes. I'm going to be in there every now and again, teaching live, answering your questions. And I hope that this is a place where you can come and feel community, In these busy years of motherhood, come tired, leave inspired, my friends. Check out this episode's show notes for a link to the group or head to michellehagan.com slash podcast to get connected. That's so good. And as you're talking, it's making me like think of things with Turner, even like we have a TV show that it's just, we don't watch that, but he really wants to watch it. Well, he probably has reasons why he likes to watch it and why the little sneak has sneaked it because he knows how to use the Roku, Roku (laughs) you know, or we'll come down, you know, and be like, okay, we'll go down there. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm not watching that. But you know, to then talk through, okay, well, this is why you like to watch it. But here are the reasons why mommy says that. It's not the best for you to be watching. Yeah. Um, Those are some great ideas. I know we also, before we we hopped on, talked a little bit about how quarantine has affected all of our kids and that there are some big emotions coming out of COVID and the lack of structure around everything that we are all seeing our kids have. And I just would Mm -hmm. love to kind of touch into that a little bit because this is something that Every mom has probably dealt with, and as we look forward to this next school year, there's going to be a lot of big emotions for some of these younger kids going into kindergarten and first grade that they just can't quite process all of that yeah. yet of what's happening and why you know why we feel that way. So I would love for us to just kind of talk a little bit about um, how you have seen all of this
1: affect kids. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a relevant, needed conversation. And unfortunately, it's still something that we still have so much uh, lack of knowledge of and lack of control over, um, which is so frustrating for us as parents. But the reality is, as much or as little as we think that isolation and some of these things have affected our kids, it still is very greatly affecting their development and their social skills and their mental health. And so we do need to give them more grace and more benefit of the doubt that they're doing their best they can right now. And um, if we know that our own mental health is a roller coaster of emotions right now, and we are still trying to grasp what is true and what is factual and what we can count on and what, you know, tomorrow is going to look like or three months from now is going to look like our kids are trying to do the same thing and we can't give them what we don't have and like we had mentioned before it's something that we still can't clearly communicate uh, which is frustrating because we don't know how to prepare them for this next school year if we don't exactly know what it's going to look like or um, how to help answer all their questions that we just don't even know the answers to either. Um, So if that's true we definitely have to make our own mental health as much of a priority as we possibly can So that we can feel their big emotions and their questions and help them understand just as much as we're trying to figure out ourselves in a way that we show up as the parent we want to be rather than the depleted parent pouring from an empty cup. And, you know, that's a struggle in and of itself for sure. Um, But if we are doing that, then we can help our kids weather these things by just talking about it as much as possible. And I don't think I do this even enough with my kids, but when kids don't have all of the information about something, their brain wants to fill in the gaps as a safety mechanism. So it's going to, they're going to make up their own story about it, or they're going to jump to conclusions and make assumptions um, based on trying to create the story of why something is the way it is that they see it in their world. Um, Because they're trying to create the framework of their worldview and their self-image and how they get their needs met and all of those things. That's what their brain's trying to do for the first seven years. So if we don't give them all of the information, they're going to fill in the gaps anyway. And that's what can be harmful because the things that they make up as truth are usually not accurate. And it's not going to be something that we want them believing. So um, we have to really preempt those conversations by talking about it more than we think we have to, and um, bring it up, letting them know, like, continually that they can keep asking questions about it, that we will never get mad, you know, or shame them because of something that they're wondering about, and um, and just have as much of a back and forth as possible helping them really understand and normalize that the struggle is real, that, you know, it's something across the world we're all dealing with, that it's okay for them to feel this way, that, you know, we probably will have a lot more separation anxiety problems and kids going back to school or even just like the clinginess that we're seeing on a day-to-day basis. Um, These are all the ways that our kids are trying to cope because they just don't know what's going on. And when they're even really little, they need to be developing a really healthy sense of curiosity and exploration so that their brain can grow and develop the, the way that it should but if that's constantly being hampered by you know reading the faces of people and seeing that they need to be afraid of the stranger walking down the street and that they need to be very afraid of you know not being able to go to target and you know that they shouldn't touch something or that they shouldn't do this like that's going to give them a complex <laughs> mm-hmm. and and so that's the reality right now is like we do need to be looking out for their physical health 100 percent. but we act we still need to give the same amount of vigilance to their emotional and mental health as well mm-hmm. trying to problem solve and give them the solutions that we would do just as much as we would if they had a fever
0: yeah Oh, that's so good. There's like so many things in my brain that are just going like I feel like we (laughs) can just, you know, keep talking. And one of the things like I was even thinking about as um, my friend Allison Carter had said when we chatted on her podcast that right now our kids are hearing no, 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 that sometimes if we just give our kids a yes day, like of that is in the confines of what we're allowed to do right now, that Mm -hmm. they well, then like feel this release of like, oh, like there are things that it's okay for me to do. And yeah. I think even as school starts, that may just be so important because our kids are going to be going back to a school that none of us ever thought, ever dreamed that it would ever look like for them. And yeah. Um, you know, and I'm even thinking as my, my oldest is five, so he's going into kindergarten and it's a little bit easier to explain things to him, but then we have like our younger ones who are our three and our two, and they understand way more than a lot Mm -hmm. of us think they understand, but it's figuring out how do we explain things down to their level to where Mm -hmm. a three-year-old can understand. Um, and I love how you had said that their brains kind of piece the stories together because I never mm. even thought about that and as you're talking there's so many things that I can think of my five-year-old husband saying I'm like where are you getting this from why are you yeah. like whoever told you these things well it's probably his brain or He's something yeah. one, you know, like we'd <laughs> said the one little tiny thing that they go to a friend's for an hour and then they come back with a whole new un- naughty word or bad skill I don't really know <laughs> you know, that it is maybe there was one piece somewhere that now his brain's trying to tell him, well, this is maybe what the truth is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's such good. So what would you say then as there is moms that are preparing to go back to school and right now um, where you and I live, we know that our public schools have, are basically not going back as normal and trying to Mm -hmm. figure out What would you say, what's like the best advice for helping kids navigate that? Do you have, I mean, I, it's something that, you know, we talked about that we really don't know, but what would you say is kind of the best thing of talking to kids, even as we have kids that are going to preschool and they Mm -hmm. may be wearing masks and Mm -hmm. understanding some of that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) To be honest, like this is such uncharted territory for so many people, um, Mm -hmm. Like there, there can be some idea of best best practices, but no one's really ever done this before. So, um, talking about it, of course, is one, um, helping our kids understand why the why behind the masks or the social distancing and some of that, and just trying to explain, um, that it, it is more preventative and it's more to look out for our friend's health than it is because we're doing something bad or wrong, and um, helping them really understand the amount of risk involved. Because I think the way that my husband and I have talked to our kids about it so far has been not as complete, because we were realizing the other day, my daughter had a really, really hard time um, going over to a friend's house where we had hired a shared babysitter. And we've done this a couple days, but this is the first time that they've ever been watched by anyone but me for like four months. And that's a big deal. And so she had kind of a giant meltdown um, where she missed me a ton. She actually ended up like running down the street to try to like find me. And it was a whole thing. And so we were talking about it at the end of the day, like, you know, where is this coming from? What's going on with her? And, you know, we started talking back and forth and he was like, well, maybe she is just internalizing a lot of this, and you know, feels the weight of the fear and, and unknown. And we probably haven't been explicit enough about, like, whether or not if they got the virus, if they would die, or if we would die, or like what would actually happen. And so, you know, she's probably making up stories that you know play things out in a nightmarish way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to jump ahead of those. Thoughts and really explain, like, you're gonna be fine, (laughs) you know, Uh, and put some of those big fears at bay because she is starting to have nightmares and she is just really, I think, reeling from everything. Even though the day to day is, you know, pretty well and fine, you wouldn't think anything's really wrong, but I think it's just wearing on her long term. And she's uh, just a kid that has a lot more. Like she's just really sensitive, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that that's going to affect those kind of kids more than others by the personality. So if we know that about our kids, we can just try to um, give them lots of grace when they are having extra big emotions, and you know, not making, not jumping to really fearful conclusions because, like, we could have really clamped down on, like, she ran away from home. We need to make this a huge lesson. We need to, like, you know have punishment and all these other things, but like, that's still just the symptom. Like we talked about the tip of the iceberg, the actual underneath the iceberg is probably her unabated fear that we need to address. And Mm -hmm. if we focus on that, having more conversations about it, helping her feel really extra safe and secure, um, then that won't happen again, or, you know, she won't feel the need to act in such a dramatic way, um, to feel like she can regain that safety again. So there are things that are within our control that we can really just be beefing up to help our kids understand what the day is going to look like and what is expected of them and what the why behind it and you know letting them know Things may change, but when I find something out, I will let you know, and you're going to know at the same time as me, and we're going to, you know, I'm right here with you. I'm on your team. I'm cheering for you. It's going to be great. You know, (laughs) we don't have to be like fake about it, but we do need to be authentic in a way that our kids do feel like they can really trust us to be acting in our best interest, even when things feel so upside down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I like that in the thought of giving our kids like extra grace in this as to where maybe it's a, a, a something that they're doing that you would normally discipline like right mm-hmm. away but mm-hmm. realizing that oh this may be coming especially as we go back to our quote unquote normal or things kind of change that our kids um you know realize is this normal is this what you know because they to them a few months is way longer to them than it is to us. Um, yeah. It feels like 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 an eighth of their life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's so good. And as we continue to like change, I'd be interested to hear from you again, like as school Mm -hmm. starts and okay, here we are now, here's what we're seeing happening with kids and how we can continue to, um, support them and, understand where they're coming from. And as things change, because it will probably be for some kids that, you know, have anxiety or anxious going back to school is going to be really hard um, in whatever form that it looks like.
1: Right. Um, And there just isn't a win-win right now. Like that's, mm -hmm. we can't keep them in a bubble that just like keeps them away from any of this and can, lets them be unaffected or even, you know, have the guarantee of perfect health, like that's not feasible. And neither is them probably not having any, you know, anxiety or resulting mental health because of this, which just feels awful as a parent, because we mm-hmm. hate to see our kids struggle at all. Um, but when we own up to the reality and we see this time of their life and our life as something that's so unprecedented and needs addressing, then we're able to move forward and show, okay, what does that look like? And how can I do that in the best way possible to set them up for success within the things that I can control and just focus on those things? Because otherwise we'll just sit in our own anxiety, and mm-hmm. you know, and that's not helping them at all, really. Yeah, we can easily get consumed by that, too.
0: Yes, 100 percent, especially I feel like just as a mom, you know, like you just are constantly worrying. Are they healthy? Are they happy? Is everything. And now it's just on top of that. But
1: Yes, that's um, <laughs> yes, it does. it
0: but oh, this was such a good conversation and I now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, maybe we do in a couple minutes need to have like a Danielle part two and what are we seeing and how do we fix these yeah. emotions or how do we, <laughs> you know, I guess not fix but you know mm-hmm. to help them um, navigate a little bit better as we get closer to school starting and once school starts and all those things. So
1: yeah, uh, yeah, but hopefully the good that will come out of this is so much less stigma for mental health, Mm -hmm. you know, that looking for those symptoms and addressing them and asking for help. And if there's a whole generation of kids that will be struggling, then we're going to fight for them because we are fierce mama bears. And like, it's, it's not going to matter whether or not, you know, there's a label involved or anything like that. Like we just, we just do what we need to do to get our kids the help they need. And, um, it's going to be, it's going to be okay. Like a lot of times the, there's so much good on the other side of adversity. And, um, like we can be so apt to be helicopter parents and just try to not let them fail and not let them struggle, but this will be an inevitable way that they have to, but there can be so much good from our relationship from that. And also just letting that, letting us see how they rise to the occasion and flourish in those circumstances. And, you know, it grows their own self-image because they are doing things they're really proud of. And um, so it's not all bad. And um, while we can be vigilant to be looking out for those symptoms of, you know, some mental health concerns and be asking good questions and seeking out help, um, we can also just, you know, embrace the slowing down and mm-hmm. um, be okay with, living through this time and making the best of it.
0: Yeah. They are going to for sure be a generation of something. I don't want to say totally different,
1: but a generation of
0: change. Everything that has gone on in their short little lives. If you have like a kindergartner under, Mm -hmm. you know, of, of how things are going to affect them and change. And I love that you said that it is going to hopefully bring some of the stuff of mental health, that it's okay to get help and mm-hmm. realizing as parents that, um, sometimes there's older generations that think that there are certain things of being weak or that you, there's nothing wrong. But I think that our generation has, it has already started this momentum of trying yeah. to change the face of mental health, health, but realizing that like, if our kid needs to go talk to someone, that's not us, that there's going to probably be a whole slew of them yeah. coming that are going to end up needing to talk through some of this, like we had talked about, because a lot of times we don't think that trauma is slow things that happen over time, that it's something, yes. you know, big and bad. And that happened all at once, but that there can be traumas that happen in a slower pace and come to head later in life. And that it's okay yes. to step back and revisit some of that.
1: Yes, that will be necessary. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I always love to end my show asking the guests, "What's your best advice for a mom that's deep in the little years?" Because we all know that once you come out of it and you're swimming with your head above water again, that there's something <laughs> that you wish you could look back to you a few years ago and be like, "It's okay. It'll be okay."
1: On <laughs> yes, yes. When I had my two littles, it was a blur. a complete blur the first probably three years of motherhood for sure. So I feel you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um what I would go back and tell myself is like it's okay not to enjoy every moment. And like even if there's one moment out of the whole day that you just can really relish their smile or their laugh or like hug them close and smell their neck and enjoy that moment, that's okay because really that's the only memory that's going to last. Mm-hmm. So even if those are few and far between, um, they're there and soak them in when you can and, um, you'll come out of it and, and you'll have all of those. Like I always tell parents that parenthood is better in hindsight because when you go back and look at the pictures, you you're like only the good feelings remain mm-hmm. and you're just like, Oh, I miss all those snuggles and the like big cheeks and, <laughs> all that. Yeah. um, but in the moment, it was pretty awful. And I don't really go want to go back. So that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, well, if people want to connect with you after this, where can they can where can they connect with you and find you? Yeah, um, my website is parenting And I have a um, freebie you can download for five pages of a workbook of how to handle big emotions in the moment. And that ha- includes a printable visual you can use with your child to help them walk themselves down back to calm. Um, so you're definitely welcome to download that and take advantage of it. Um, but then I'm on Facebook as well as Instagram. I'm at parent underscore wholeheartedly. And, um, and you can find, follow me there for more parenting tips and things like that. But yeah, I would love to connect. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all of your
0: wisdom and for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Busy Years Podcast. This episode show notes and all past episode show notes can be found at michellehagan.com slash podcast. I would love to put a face to the listener. Come over and join me on Instagram at hagen. Or you can join me in our private Facebook community just for the busy years podcast listeners called Hey Mama, Let's Connect. This is a community where you can dig in a little bit deeper to your dreams. Share your dreams out loud with like-minded people. Let people cheer you on in what you are currently doing to chase your dreams and learn a little bit more about our episodes and I'll even pop in there every once in a while to teach live. I can't wait to see you and meet you, my friends. Hey, Mama, did you need someone to remind you that you are worthy of your dreams, that you can take action in the middle of motherhood? I just wanted to pop in and give you another reminder, friend, that you've got this. You can do this in the middle of motherhood, no matter how busy the years get.